In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 222 that's right uh we for our first uh entry into the green lantern 75th celebration we are doing something we've wanted to do for a while and we're actually going to be doing two different stories that we've been wanting to do for a while this one is obviously we both want to cover both of these these stories that we'll end up doing i'm being super vague for unnecessary reasons but because one of them is i think i feel like this one's more of something you want to do uh or have wanted to do for a while mark so why don't you introduce people we'll tell them what we're gonna do Alrighty then what we're going to be doing tonight is we're going to be doing the emerald knight storyline the uh-huh. six-parter which basically is it's essentially a sequel to what we did a few months ago or forget how long it's been now when we covered issue 100 when kyle <clears throat> I mean, Kyle ends up getting sent back into the past and meets Hal Jordan shortly after he gets his ring and his first encounter with Sinestro. And basically, Kyle's first real he- uh, face-to-face experience with what it, what it was like or would have been like to deal with the Guardians and the Corps and Sinestro and everything else. And that issue, of course, ends with the Guardians sending Kyle back to where he belongs, but Sinestro being the, oh, the clever guy he is, he helps, con- basically uses his powers to use his ring even though he's not wearing it anymore to help push Hal into the time stream with Kyle. So what happens? Kyle and Hal ends up joining Kyle as Sinestro pushes Hal in with Kyle. They end up back in modern day or the current continuity for Kyle. So Hal is basically a fish out excuse me, a fish out of water. Yeah, and uh, covering issue one hundred was actually a sequel to us covering future such shock. Yep, so- they're all related. That's right. We've we've been uh, we've been slowly but surely getting to this point for a little while now, and I'm sure you guys would have figured out we'd get here eventually, anyways. But uh, here we are, and uh, Mark and I are just gonna uh, we're we're reviewing this uh, in two different ways, and I don't mean uh, I don't mean uh, in how we're gonna approach it, but uh, uh, Mark is using the issues, and I am using the trade paperback. Uh, so if there's any sort of uh, difference or discrepancy or anything like that, just uh, that's probably why. I doubt there will be, but just a heads up. <laughs> and we have actually done that quite often. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm not even sure if the Emerald Knights trade paperback is still in print. I don't remember where I got mine. I remember the cover of that because they're kind of like literally almost like knight looks looking like knights. Either with, are they on horseback or something? I thought. Yeah, Hal is on horseback um, uh, with a super armored up horse, and Kyle is on horseback, but his horse is a robot. That makes sense, really, when you think. 
True. All right. Well, you want to get things started? I will get things started with part one, uh, which which in the when these these uh, blah, 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 when these stories first were published, this was issue one hundred and one of Green Lantern. Um, the cover, which is pretty cool, has, is all his tomorrow is shattered, and it has Hal uh, basically dealing. We don't know why at this point, but we see this Hal's pretty much raging, and we see the statue of Hal Jordan that Kyle himself built during the tribute at Hal's funeral. That's all in pieces around him. And the creative team for this issue was Ron Mars was still a writer. Unfortunately, no Daryl Banks, as we found out. As we remember, we knew, but we kind of had a refresher course that Daryl, unfortunately, doesn't do any of these issues. Uh, Jeff Johnson was the penciler in this part. Bob Wyacek is the inker, and Bob Schwager is the does the color. And it's interesting also with the pattern of this because it seems basically the 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 artists swap; they keep going back from part to part between the the odds and the evens. So that's kind of an interesting creative decision. And and Kyle just is looking at Hal like raging and kind of like it's kind of like has his hand against his face, like going, "I'm not quite sure what's." how to deal with this <laughs> which is an interesting choice but we can talk about that later so the issue opens up with Hal and Kyle flying together and you know Hal has this happy look on his face and he's you know and we find out very quickly that Hal is heading to Co City and this he wants to see what's going on because of course this is like a 10 year younger Hal who doesn't know anything about what's happened in recent times to either himself or Co City at this point and Kyle is just kind of like you kind of get thought balloons from Kyle, like how am I supposed to tell him? How am I? How can I prepare him for this? And obviously Kyle doesn't do a good job because Kyle <laughs> Kyle doesn't say anything until Hal shows up, basically at the hole in the ground that was Coast City and the and the little like, eternal emerald flame that is burning as a like a funeral pyre or as a, a memorial, I should say more. And you know Hal doesn't know what's going on. It's like you know where, where's Coast City? It's like oh it's got to be some villain. He's got to be playing some playing some trick it's got to be an illusion and Hal starts getting mad and then grabs Kyle and you know he's looking for answers and finally Kyle breaks down and he tells Hal pretty much we get we get a nice double splash page of Kyle pretty much filling in again for new readers too but filling in Hal based on the way the story's supposed to go filling in Hal on the events of the reign of the Superman with how when uh, Mongol and Cyborg Superman destroyed Coast City we see the again the the version of Emerald Twilight, which is at least based on pictures, is fairly accurate. <laughs> and Hal just kind of stays quiet during all of this. And then, of course, in a way, the, the hardest part for Kyle is that he's got to let him he's got to fill it. Basically, he's got to fill in all the blanks. So he goes not just from the destruction of Coast City, how he makes sure Hal realizes of you know how he becomes Parallax about the whole zero hour thing, how Ollie pretty much, you know, put buried, you know, even Ollie had to stand up against him to try to stop him. And Hal still remains quiet. And then, of course, Kyle, you know, basically puts the period at the end of the sentence and tells him how, and almost like in a pop, trying to put a one kind of little positive spin on it, how Hal came back in Final Night and to take out the Sun Eater and, you know, and save, and save the Earth and kind of redeem himself. And then we see... We, we see, you know, Hal, you know, the little a flashback to what, Green Lantern 82, I believe. Was it 82 or 81? Uh, I think it was, wasn't it 82? It was 81. 81. Uh, the, the statue 
you know, the flashback of the statue being built and everybody standing around it. And Hal still pretty much at this point hasn't said anything. He finally asks a very really good question about, you know, what happened to Carol and Tom and and Kyle makes it clear that these guys, you know, they both survived. They were not in the city and they're actually trying to get Ferris aircraft off the ground again. You know, and Hal's just kind of, he's pretty much still in shock about all this, and Kyle like, puts his hand on his shoulder and he tries to comfort him. And Hal just kind of loses it, and he goes, uh, like, it's like, it's all this information that he's trying to process. It's like, you call him, I mean, it's shock. I mean, you tell, you know, basically tell me everything that I've ever, almost everyone I've ever cared about is gone. The city that I <laughs> meant so much to me is gone. And, I, and I, it basically, and I turned into some, you know, some kind of devil as he phrases it. You know, and Kyle tries, he tries to ratchet it down a little to try to rein Hal in, and Hal just kind of like, literally gives him like, a stop in the name of love kind of hand right to the face. And it's like, and that's when, that's when Hal kind of like, loses it, and he talks, he, he takes his anger out on the statue, and he goes, you know what that statue really is of me? It's a gravestone, and he blasts it into pieces. You know, Kyle tries to debate what, you know, what should he do? Should he go after Hal? And... He makes it clear that you know that he absolutely, you know, Hal's right that he has no idea what Hal's going through, and he and there's pretty much nothing he can say that really uh, would make Hal feel any better. And of course, he, th- he throws in a little something, probably more for the readers. It's like you know, you know, losing Coast City once pretty much pushed Hal over the edge. It's like uh, you know, what is it? What is it going to do this time, or what is it going to do a, a second time? So Hal Hal's flying off and just trying to like clear his head, and then we, he notices that a school bus pretty much is crossing, uh, coming to a railroad crossing, and then the bus ends up breaking down on the tracks, and the train is barreling down, and then, you know, and a bunch of special needs kids in wheelchairs and stuff in the, in the, in the bus, and of course, Hal, seeing that kind of snaps Hal out of it, and he realizes that he's got to do something, he comes down, uh, instead of, because the bus is yellow, I guess. Even though I guess I don't know. I think the bottom of the bus he probably could have done something with, but he run, he, he he figures he won't be able to use the ring as much, with, you know, because the bus is yellow. So he runs into the he runs into the bus, and he has a whole a bunch of kids are still there in wheelchairs, and how you know, which is kind of cool. He puts he puts one like in a little jet pack or a little like a jet pack that looks like a plane and flies the kid out, and he takes another in the green in his in a green emerald hand, and takes it out. Takes him out, I should say, and then Hal flies the last child out himself, just as the train, the locomotive, you know, rips rips into the bus, you know, and Hal, you know, Hal puts the kids down, and he, you know, and he he apologizes for you know not being able to get out the wheelchairs and everything like that, and you know the the, te- the teacher, the teacher or the uh, the chaperone pretty much just tells Hal, it's like you know, it's like you're what are you worrying about the wheelchairs for? I mean, you saved everybody's life. You know, you it's like you're practically an angel here. And of course, Hal, that really rips at Hal since he just found out everything that he supposedly has done or will do from his point of view. And you know, the the teacher just says, you know, I don't really care who you are. You saved these kids' lives, and that's the only thing that really matters. Uh, meanwhile, Kyle's just been sitting there as <laughs> what's left of the statue, kind of playing like paddle ball by himself until Hal shows back up. And Hal's like, you know, you, you don't seem surprised to see me, Kyle's like, nah, I figured you'd show back up again. <laughs> so 
so they kind of sit there, you know, they sit there and they kind of have a, they kind of talk it out. And, you know, you know, Hal doesn't really know what, to, you know, Hal even asks Kyle, it's like, you know, is there any way to send me back to where I belong? And he goes, I, I have no idea. It's like, I can't even figure out, you know, how you're here now. Cause he's, then he starts wrestling, you know, we're trying to wrap himself around the whole time travel concepts again. It's like, you know, how, you know, if you're here, you never became parallax, but if you have, but if you've never become, if you never have become parallax and how could parallax have saved the sun and all this stuff, which we'll revisit later on as the storyline plays out. And, uh, Kyle said, you know, probably our best bet to getting back home might be meeting up with the justice league. And Kyle, you know, Hal seems pretty happy that the justice league is still around and still, still going pretty strong. So Kyle just asked Hal at the end, it's like, you ready to move on? He's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And they decide not to rebuild the statue or anything since the statue is technically for dead guys. And of course, Hal is very much alive. And while Hal and Kyle are having their nice moment, we, we switch to Apocalypse where Desaad is, is watching, you know, the, the past, you know, the, the, the past Hal, uh, past Green Lantern or once more like the once in future Green Lantern has shown back up again, and this would be a good test for you, my friend, if you don't want to, if you want to, basically, uh, avenge your defeat at the hands of the other ring bearer, which, which of course is relating to Kyle, and then of course that's we find out that it's Calabac, and Calabac is pretty much getting ready to take a boom tube to go to Earth to deal with Hal, and that ends part one. Yeah, um, let's see here. Since just we since we just ended on it, the stuff with Desaad and Calabac, of course, we're about to get into it in the next issue. Uh, so I guess I could talk about it there, but I might as well here because there's the note that says CGL 61. Uh, I'm looking at Green Lantern 61 as of this moment, uh, and this is just an issue with, uh, and, and this is like an extremely macro breakdown. Uh, this is uh, Green Lantern versus Calabac, but alongside of Darkstar. Um, so it's basically, you know, Kyle and Donna are on a uh, picnic date on Mars. Uh, Darkseid sends Calabac to face him to kind of test his metal and see what, uh, you know, if, if the, basically if Kyle has more power than he knows what to do with, or if, uh, if he's, you know, forced to be reckoned with in the future. Now I have no idea off the top of my head what Darkseid storyline was coming up or if, if any, um, so I don't know why Darkseid chose it. It might just be Darkseid being Darkseid. Um, but there, there was that Darkseid sent him to test him and, and report, you know, figure out all you can and come back to me and let me know. Um, he wasn't sending Calabac to defeat him. He wanted to test him. Well, through the course of this fight, Calabac tries to take Kyle's ring from him. And when he comes back, you know, he says, he tells Darkseid, I, I did as you asked, Father. You know, I, I, I did everything. And he says, and I'll read the word bubble here. He says, no, you disobeyed me. You sought to possess his ring, an idiot act that would have disrupted the plans I begin to enact. Uh, you failed me, Calabac, yet again. So that is when Desaad says, uh, when Desaad says here, uh, this is an opportunity for me to catalog his pain for you to prove your spell itself, especially at your defeat of the hands uh, at the hands of the other ring bearer. So that's what he's referring to. So just that, just a little brief history for that, um, which is also interesting. I, I'll just bring it up. 61 ends on Hal Jordan coming back. Yep. <laughs> uh, it says at the very last page, it says, next, Ganthet's tail. Uh, so that's that's kind of interesting as well. 
Yeah, Calabac was... comes back uh, in a storyline involving Hal Jordan when when Calabac last went up against the Green Lantern. Hal Jordan came back. <laughs> yeah, it was just setting the stage for Parallax View, which was going to be happening a couple of issues later. Right, exactly. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, the rest of it, uh, I, I love the art. I think it's kind of obviously we know what Daryl's art looks like, but I think it's you would be. Um, Unless you were intimately familiar with Daryl's artwork, I think you could be forgiven for thinking this is him. There are some par- there are some parts that definitely, like especially when you when you look at the statue, yeah, the statue that that's that's why I almost took a double check. I mean, I took a double take back and I went just to make sure that there weren't any pages of this one drawn. And uh, there are some there are some parts to the to the issue that do remind me of do remind me of Daryl. I don't think the face of Hal looked. You know that's where it's, that's where there's kind of a d- distinct difference the way he draws Hal's face versus versus Johnson. But uh, I do like I actually like the artwork and the even issues better. I, li- I like Pelletier a lot better. The Pelletier Austin tag team and the even issues of the series I think the, makes the art a little better. But it's not a but even though the styles are are different and the odd and even issues I think it still flows together pretty well. Right. Well, I also I also want to say that uh, towards the beginning, uh, I don't know if this is on purpose, but I'm, did you notice that on the first page of this issue, you notice the difference in how they fly? Like Hal is all straight bodied and and and, and everything, uh, and uh, and Kyle is just kind of he's he's flying, but he's more freeform floating yeah. through the air, whereas Hal is just, you know, straight-bodied and, you know, Superman flying. Yes. I don't know if that's a, 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 like a an artistic nod to their different kind of styles and who they are and, and maybe the eras in which the characters were created or, or what, but I thought it was interesting. It certainly works if it's supposed to be a, you know, a contrast that given the, given the opportunity, like in, in, in uh, but they com- have complete choice, pretty much. When it's not like, not when it's not really instinct taking over, like in the middle of a fight, and you gotta, and you have different poses and whatever. It's when it's just, you know, this is how, in your mind's eye, you see yourself flying, and they both see, they both see it differently. That that would be, that would actually be pretty apropos based on the characters. Yeah. Um, the rest of it, I mean, I don't really have much to say. I do, I do like the stuff with with uh, Hal and the uh, the kids. Um, one one thing I I've noticed in the past, but I don't like when on quick flip throughs. I don't really notice it, but when I'm more paying attention to it, I notice it. Obviously, you see the kid with the jetpack, you know, wings and the hand. But if you notice that first panel, uh, he's actually taking a, a kid out already uh, with a giant bird. Construct. Yep, yep. But well, he's talking to the other kids. Yes, he's flying one out through the window. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, another. Another cool little thing, uh, you were we obviously we were laughing at Kyle and the, his construct bench and uh, a bench and uh, paddle ball thing, but uh, you, you notice on the bench there's a shadow of Hal as he's coming down. Yes, that's a cool little touch. I don't know if artists would think to do that today. No, I, I agree. I think that I think that was a nice touch. I think that was something that very easily could have been overlooked. And I also like when when Kyle's just Kyle's just sitting there on on the bench. I like the fact that they have his. His Green Lantern symbol is dead center on the on the bench behind his back. <laughs> right. I thought, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Now, I kind of think on the cover though they could have had a, a, a different look on Kyle's face. 
a little more. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe a, a little, little more bit. distraught, or maybe like have his hand like on top of his hair, on top of his head, with him looking down a little bit, like because it, because the, the the look they gave him kind of looks more confused, and it's like he really shouldn't be confused. He knows exactly why Hal is reacting the way he's reacting. But it, but you could take it that again, he's just not so much that he's confused. He just doesn't really know how to respond. So. Damn it, Mark! Look on the bright look on the bright side, man. What's happening on the cover happens in the issue. That is true. <laughs> uh, what do you think happens to the energy when uh, Hal breaks up the statue? It, is Kyle just letting it evaporate, or do you think he's absorbing it? That's a good question because they have that because he's he plays with the fragments and I at least mm-hmm. that one fragment. So I'm pretty much I think he probably I don't know. That's a good question. I would I almost my instinct was to say he absorbed it. At least that piece, but I don't know what he did with the rest. Maybe he just, maybe he did just let it dissipate. I'm not sure. Because at the time, we're we're aware that constructs can be made permanent, but it takes an extreme amount of concentration. I'm, I'm assuming since it takes an extreme amount of concentration, it also takes an extreme amount of energy. So once it's broken and able to be dissipated, can you reabsorb that energy? So yeah, it's a it's a it is an interesting question, but I, I I think it's up up in the air. That one when he was holding it in his hands, I kind of took it as almost like he was absorbing it. Though technically speaking, you see like the energy in both both of his hands, and you would think maybe they would just show it going into his ring hand if he was absorbing it. Right. So that that's that one's up that one's up in the air. But that was a, that was a it's a good question. All right. Next issue. Next issue. All right, next issue is uh, – I don't have issue numbers, so 102, I'm assuming. Yep. Uh, we open in Warriors. Is For those of you who don't remember, Warriors is a bar run by Guy Gardner. Think of it as Planet Hollywood but for Green Lanterns. Um, so he is sitting there with uh, Alan Scott and John Stewart, um, and they're waiting for Kyle, saying he's late. Kyle shows up. And out steps from the shadows Hal Jordan and makes everybody shocked and Guy spits out his beer. <laughs> um, they're all, uh, they're all well, Guy's ready for a fight. Kyle says, calm down, let me tell you. So he kind of reha- recaps the, um, the events from uh, issue uh, 98, 99, which are Future Shock, as well as, of course, more importantly, the issue number 100, uh, where he got thrown into the past to... Uh, and met up with Hal. Uh, they explain he reintroduces Hal to uh, Alan, John, and Guy. Um, uh, Hal says it's nice to meet everybody, especially Alan. You know, I've heard a lot about your career. So this is this is clearly set uh, in a in a post crisis universe. Now, obviously, this is the '90s, so of course it is. But what I'm saying is, uh, Hal remembers Alan Scott as Green Lantern. As opposed to in the Silver Age, where this Hal Jordan is from, quote unquote, uh, those were two separate Earths. I mean, they had interactions, but they didn't know of each other until they interacted with one another. It has no bearing on the story right now, but I just thought it'd be, it was an interesting little tidbit. Um, so uh, they're showing guys showing him around Warriors. There's a picture of all the uh, all the uh, Green Lanterns in one, including Alan. Um, uh, Hal's, as Hal's looking around through the bar, he's seeing some, some f- familiar stuff, including the uh, flight simulator that he was taken to the side of Advent Ship in. 
And then he's seeing you know, things that uh, most things in there are things that uh, haven't happened to him yet, like a broken power battery. Um, uh, I'm assuming that's from that one time that oh, that one time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the times the battery exploded. Um, <laughs> Hal says, you know, this is great and all. Um, um, thanks for you know meeting me and everything and and, and welcoming me here. But I, I need to go because. This is all my future, and I need I need a touchstone basically. Uh, so I need you know I need to I need to find out if this time has a place for me. Uh, he says thanks, Kyle. I'll catch up when I can. Everybody says good luck, and Hal goes off to and surprise, surprise, Ferris Aircraft, where we hear a sonic boom, and uh, Pieface has got to stick up his ass because. Uh, you know, Ferris has just got back up on the ground, and this is uh, a lot of money put into this pilot, this uh, experimental aircraft, and their test pilot shouldn't be, you know, pushing the limits and creating sonic booms. And they get in touch. Uh, uh, Bo, he expresses these concerns to Carol. They get in touch with the pilot. He says, "Actually, that boomer wasn't me. Uh, I don't know what that was. Oh, wow! Something <laughs> looks like a green flying man shot past me." A little later on. Uh, Pieface and uh, and Carol are on the ground talking about you know when he said that I you know it just it reminded me of the you know the good old days and you know reminded me of Hal and then Hal surprise surprise steps out of the shadows Carol drops her coffee he catches it uh, they're standing in shock for a minute and then Carol leaps at him and plants a big one on his lips and he says wow because. <laughs> As he, there's a lot of, there's a lot of word balloons here, but essentially he's surprised because, uh, and I'll just read this part. In my era, you and I were hardly even friends, much less lovers. Uh, I've been told we got closer over the years, and she says, "Oh, did we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right, giggity <laughs> uh, goo." <laughs> But uh, anyway, so uh, long story short, this is just. Uh, them going back and forth, it kind of the in the superhero circle, but not a superhero. So kind of a more civilian take on Hal's history. Um, you know, they heard rumors of what had happened to Hal and, and things like that. Uh, Pieface, uh, I, I keep calling him Pieface, but I, I know that's what the comics call him. It's, it's Tom. Tom. Um, Tom says all that parallax stuff. That wasn't you, Hal. Not this you. And I think it was blown out of proportion anyway. So I thought that was interesting because that's kind of like a, a civilian. Like, what do you you hear that he goes absolutely apeshit insane and tries to rewrite reality uh, and destroys the entire core? And you hear this secondhand from superheroes <laughs> whose world is so fantastical and insane, you don't believe half the shit they say anyways, right? So what would a close friend of Hal Jordan who isn't in that world think of hearing the story of Emerald Twilight and uh, and Zero Hour secondhand. Just 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 a thought. Um, but anyways, as they're catching up, Calabac leaps out of the shadows and attacks Hal. Uh, big big fight kerfuffle. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say here. Just why are you attacking me? And I'm doing it for the glory of Darkseid and you know that whole thing. Um, Hal picks up Calabac, tosses him in the air, drops him down uh, right onto the fuel lines underneath the ground, breaks apart the concrete. 
Calabac's like, well, you thought a fall would would uh, stop me? I was spawned in the fire pits of Apocalypse. Uh, and so he's like, well, uh, it's not the fall. It's just where you landed. And he strikes a match, and boom, Calabac goes boom. Uh, he's fine because he's from Apocalypse, but um, he's kind of dead on his feet and woozy, so he boom tubes out of there. Um all the while, of course, Tom is lamenting about the damage to the airstrip. Um, and uh, as Calabac leaves, Hal says, you know, I'll be here waiting when you do decide to come back. And and Tom, you know, kind of calls him on that. He says, well, w- will you? And he says, well, I don't know. I've, I've changed a lot. And I don't I don't it could mean, I, you know, I don't belong here. Um but, you know, I, I think it means I'm needed here. And if you can get used to having me around again, it looks like I'm here to stay after all. And next issue, JLA. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Calabac extra crispy. That's right. Uh, I think one one notable thing in terms of art, I, I don't know. Again, I, like I said, when I was recapping the issue 61, um, I don't know what. Darkseid's plans were, if any, at the time in comics. Uh, maybe I do know and just have forgotten. I don't know. Um, well, they, but, had that gen- they had that Genesis storyline that I think that right they had the Genesis crossover with everything in the '90s, including that yeah. ep- that issue when Decide was playing around with Kyle's ring. So I that may, maybe that's what maybe that's what they were alluding to at the time. Um, but I don't. I don't really remember that that I remember it, but I don't remember it that well. But that's the only thing I could think of because that was or that was in the time frame when when some some of these issues, at least the issues of like in the, the like the nineties, as in not nineteen nineties, as in you know the the issue numbers in the nineties when Desaad was playing around with Kyle and stuff like that. That was like under the Genesis banner, I believe, of for the event. So I think that might have been uh, maybe, but what they were alluding to here. Well, the reason I said all that is because Calabac's costume is is way different from 61 to what we see right now um he looks a lot weirder in 61 he has this thing around his face that almost looks like the hair on his face is not a part of him it's like part of his mask like some sort of crazy ass mane um and he's here in this issue he's wearing what looks like a elaborate apocalyptian almost uh, loincloth vest roman armor kind of thing um whereas he's almost fully clothed in 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 uh, issue 61 not that that's a big deal but i'm just saying i don't know if calabac went through like a costume change or this is just a different interpretation i, I don't know um but i just thought i'd throw that out there i also thought it was kind of interesting in episode or in issue number 61 Hal or Kyle takes out Calabac with a construct Mjolnir. Uh, it's 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 a hammer, but every time you see it shaped like that, with you know, it, it you you immediately think Thor's hammer. In this issue, one of the things Hal uses to <laughs> deal a pretty hard blow to Calabac is Thor's hammer. <laughs> so I yep. thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well. It's, it must be instinctual. It's like you see this guy, you want to hit him really hard with a hammer. <laughs> him and his abomination toes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, otherwise, I think uh, you know. The, uh, me personally, I don't have much to say about the issue uh, in general. But I think I kind of said it in the recap. I think the thing of 
most noteworthiness in this this issue is is what I said about the civilian perspective on Hal's recent quote unquote history. Kind of like Carol's short hair. Yeah, it kind of works on her. Yeah, and kind of like the kind of like those mom jeans on her when she leaps towards him. Oh, spe- speaking of all of that, it, it is kind of funny because if if, you, if you're looking for if you're looking for backtracking to find any kind any kind of evidence at, at all related to uh, this the our least favorite romance in modern times about Kyle and uh, Carol, there's that little comment when 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 Hal. When she realizes, you know, this is a younger Hal, she goes, oh, I yeah. kind of like younger men anyway. It's like, oh, <laughs> maybe somebody did do their homework. <laughs> well, what did you think over there? I mean, uh, did, did you see anything else in the issue that you wanted to expound on? Because I, I, I kind of got an awe in my review. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's any. I can't. Well, he's. When they're in, when they're at Warriors, right before Hal's about to take off and go to go to Ferris, when on the same panel like you talked about with the power battery and uh, Hal's experimental ship, I'll, that last panel on on like when Hal's talking about him, you know, I I don't feel you know feel like I fit in here or anywhere else really. I like the way that that panel later on contrasts, I think, with issue 105 as we get to. When you see the difference between, if for lack of a better way of describing it, how? Oh yeah. That it's like a, it's like it's a direct like it's I think it's almost the close up of his face. That yeah, it's almost like a mirror. It. It's in a way, it's not quite a mirror image, but it's very similar to the way they they, they show Hal in this issue and that issue, and, and of course in completely different different vein, no, literally. Uh, no, I liked it. I thought I thought it, I thought it was pretty good, and, and it kind of and this kind of establishes the pattern. Even though Kyle kind of gets shortchanged to a certain extent, that it kind of make establishes a pattern that the odd issues are more focused on Kyle, and the even issues are more focused on Hal, and the Emerald and the Emerald Knight storyline. Even though Hal does seem to show up in almost every issue, but yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Yeah, because definitely, definitely, uh, two, four, and six are clearly Hal centric issues. Kyle may be may be involved certainly in. Uh, in issue six, part six of this, uh, one oh six, but it's still kind of as a how literally a how it's it's an it's a how versus how issues in a way. So it's it's so you know so how plays a role in all of these issues, but the focus on how is a little stronger, I think, on the in the even issues. And Kyle gets at least to split split the issues when it, when they're odd. I think that's probably the better way to really say it. The odd issues tend to be split. The even issues tend to be more just focused on Hal for the most part. Well, yeah, except for when, uh, <laughs> well, no, never mind. I was going to say, except for the green arrow stuff, knocking a, a hole in that, but we'll get there. Yeah, it's true too. All right. Next issue. Next issue, which is one Oh three, which, which in the, the actual, Issue has how basically at, it looks like he's at the watchtower with all the Justice League behind him, and most of them are flying off, and they seem relatively happy to see Hal, of course. And you get Kyle and of course Batman lurking in the background, <laughs> which again, factoring into matching the cover with the story, it actually has great relevance to the issue. So the so this so part three begins with Kyle and Hal showing up at the watchtower, basically being tele 
you know, kind of using the, the teleportation tubes there, and Hal's more or less trying to uh, keep down his lunch, it seems. And Kyle introduces Hal to, or reintroduces Hal to, <laughs> depending on who they are, to the Justice League. Many of people Hal does know, many people Hal doesn't. And even a lot of the people that he does know don't look the same like Aquaman. Because this was this was the this was the '90s Aquaman with the hippie hair and the beard and the and the metal hook for a hand. So so they go through the introductions, and of course in the beginning the entire Justice League doesn't say a word, and you can see there's a lot of reservations going on. But you know, Superman, of course, being one of the bigger Hal fans or Hal supporters. You know, comes forward and shakes Hal's hand first and welcomes and welcomes him. You know, it's like you're a founding member anyway. You know, we're, you know we're honored to have you here. And Hal starts going through starts going through the group and shaking everybody's hand. And he, he Hal meets Wally for the first time. Not that he really knows it's Wally. He just knows that it's not Barry. And Hal and Aquaman talk, and while Hal's pretty much making small talk with all the other members of the Justice League. Uh, Wally comes over to talk to Kyle, and then you start seeing a little, not, not necessarily cracks or chinks in the armor, but you start seeing that Kyle's a little a little jealous and are not necessarily not happy, at the very least, the fact that everybody seems to just be opening Hal back in, you know, with open arms and this, that, and the other thing. And except for, of course, Batman, who everybody, you know, everybody picks up on right away. And it's... And Hal, I mean, while Hal's still going through the motions and talking to everybody, you know, Kyle at least is taking a little bit of solace when he's talking to Wally, going, hey, at least I'm still this, this Justice League's Green Lantern, right? And that means a lot. And and, and Wally's just like, uh, right. <laughs> because, then, because then a few minutes later, Superman pretty much asked, uh, to asked Hal, you know, you know you, we'd like to offer you membership, you know, you can stay here. You can have living quarters if you like, and everything else. And you know, Hal, of course, says yes immediately. And while this is going on, you know, you know, the rest of the Justice League's in- interacting with Hal. Kyle's still in the background with Wally. Uh, so Wally is the one who pretty much gets fills Kyle in on Hal being invited and everything. And Kyle just kind of like, <laughs> Kyle just kind of like really, really resents what's going on. And this part's really funny with Kyle and Wally, and it's like. Uh, <laughs> When when Wally goes to me, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe you could be like the, the equipment manager. <laughs> we could call you J- Lantern Junior, Kid Lantern, Little Greeny. <laughs> and ha- and that really and that really pushes Kyle over the edge. It's like you know, it's like this is a lot of crap, and I don't need this. And it's like you know, like you don't need me. Well, I'm like maybe I don't need you guys. And he just kind of like teleports out of there. And he heads back to and he heads back to New York. And of course, he looks really. That's a really weird look in his face on that like splash page. Yeah. Very Calabac like actually. So you know, Kyle's just really kind of pissed off and really doesn't want to be bothered with anything. But you know, there's a there's a problem at the building. There's an explosion. Kyle ends up going, you know, doing what he needs to do to you know, to try to lessen the damage and also to. Uh, you know, just do pretty much the stuff Kyle's supposed to do, which is you know look out, look out for a city. And of course, you know the cops start getting getting on his back, and like who, like who's gonna who's gonna clean up this mess? Who's gonna pay for this? And and Kyle's like, oh, this is this is just you know, 
this is just great. You know, it's like, uh, I'm doing my job and you're giving me crap. And then, of course, the cop goes, geez, some attitude you have there. So, How did the Justice League ever let you in? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is really not the time to be going down that road. And it's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. You know, so Kyle goes back to his apartment and, you know, to deal with to deal with Jade, Jenny. And Kyle continues to act out. And he's really, you know, he's really upset about all this. You know, and Jenny tries to comfort him, but it, you know, but essentially, it really, really doesn't. It doesn't have that much of an effect on Kyle. It calms him down, but he still doesn't have peace of mind. Uh, Kyle, Kyle goes to sleep, and, and while he's sleeping, all of a sudden he wakes up to find his dark hand over his mouth, and it turns out it's Batman, who's stalker-ish, has snuck into his bedroom. <laughs> and you know, Kyle's like, uh, "How do you know where I live?" It's like, "Oh yeah, you know where I lived. You're Batman." <laughs> And it's like, it's like, why, why are you here? And it's like, uh, then Batman goes, you know, Hal Jordan is why I'm here. It's like, I wanted you, wanted you to know that it was at my request that he was offered membership in the Justice League. And Hal, I mean, Kyle seemed completely confused by that at first because it's like, oh, really? It's like, have you of all people never trusted Hal because of all that parallax stuff? And it's like, correct. And then they figured out, then. And then Kyle figures out that that's exactly why Batman offered a membership so they could keep a close eye on Hal, because he, you know, Hal pretty much snapped and he, sh you know, he he went down the wrong road and he never should have done that. But you know, this Hal, this version of Hal is going to stick around. We got to keep an eye on him to make sure that it never happens again. And <laughs> and as Batman so eloquently says, it's like Kyle, despite the fact that you've been acting like a child, you are this ju you are this Justice League's Green Lantern. You know, and he, you know, he points out that we trust you with our lives, and Kyle's like all happy. Is like, you know how much that means coming from. And of course, when he looks up, Batman's gone, and that all of a sudden makes Kyle really happy. And you know, just as Jade walks in, it's like, hey, I thought I heard you talking to somebody. And then we see Batman swinging off into the night, and the next issue is Green Arrow. Bum bum bum. That's right. Um. Pretty straightforward issue. Yeah, basically. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to see if there's anything in particular. Batman goes all Godfather. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs> and if you don't oh. know which is which, keep them even closer yet. Um, I, I love... Plastic Man is not one of my favorite characters, but, uh, you know, I, I like... You know, I, I like him a little more than just background stuff, but uh, I do like it when he is used as simply background. Um, like when, <laughs> when, uh, but is, but that is you under all that hair, isn't it, Arthur? What happened to your hand? Lost it to some fish, if you can believe it, and Plastic Man's making a shark yes. out of himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was funny. Um, and then, now this one's a little more annoying because he actually, I think it might have been funnier if he didn't say anything. Oh, this is, this is gonna be the chairman thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, the <laughs> hey, hey, look, I'm the chair chairman, and he's morphed himself into a chair, one of the chairs at the the league table. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and if you if you read if you go back and read uh, Wally's dialogue, yeah, he's taking his shots at Kyle, but he is trying to tell him. Oh yeah, he absolutely is. He's trying. He's trying. He is trying to support him or try to kind of get the point across of what's really going on. But, but him take, but, but him taking those shots at him, basically being the, telling him he's going to be the water boy and stuff. That really doesn't help helping Kyle where he is at the moment. 
The little greenie. <laughs> <laughs> kid, kid lantern. <laughs> there was a kid lantern for a little bit. The little greenie's the best, though. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so so. Now I, I have not yet read the Kyle Rayner run in chronological order. Uh, I've read a vast majority of the issues, but not in, you know, I haven't yet gotten to the point where I sat down and read issue to issue in the order they're supposed to go. So tell me where Kyle and Jade are at this point. Oh God. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember where they are at this point. I'm trying to remember how long, how long they've been, what they've been at this point is what I should say. Cause Kyle mentions Donna with no problem and she she reacts, but it's not like, you know, she's jealous or anything like that. And the way it doesn't look like they're a couple at this, you know, at the introduction of their dynamic, because, you know, it's just a hug and then it kind of evolves. From yeah, there. I think this is before they, this. I think this is right on the cusp of when they end up when they end up being together, I think, because you're right, because even the dialogue is, you know, when she talks about, you know, as your, um, you know, friend. And that's when they kiss. <laughs> yeah. I like friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't care how nice you are here, Jade. You are a bitch later on. And Chad doesn't let these things go. That's right. (laughs) Kyle comes flying through the windows with some roses, and you got some dude in your shower. Go screw yourself. And in in something else, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cha-ching. Oh, um, Batman. I've never, ever, ever liked those stupid horn things on his cape. Yeah, neither neither do I. I have always hated those stupid... Stupid things. <laughs> I don't know what function they serve. I don't think it makes him look more badass. He's freaking Batman, okay? <laughs> he doesn't need those stupid horn things. I don't know what they're there for. Uh, I think it's just. I think it's just to make the way the just to make the cape more dramatic, hanging off his shoulders. I think I make that. That's and maybe especially when he's lurking in the shadows to try to give. I try to, to, you know, it makes it look a little more ominous. Cause I, but yeah, it's it's not the best look for him. No. All right. Well, anything else? You said it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, this one I think is. I mean, many of these are pretty straightforward. I think as we get to 105 and 106, they become they become deeper and there's more stuff to to delve into. But so uh, now we're going to kind of diverge from uh, the. Uh, the standard operating procedure here, and I am going to uh, review with you guys here the Green Arrow issue uh, of this. Now, the there was a Green Air, Green Lantern Green Arrow team up in the middle of all of this, and it did, of course, involve Hal Jordan, um, and it was part of the uh, Emerald Knights storyline. But the crossover between Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Also, uh, also uh, had its own st- title as well. So it was uh, part of Emerald Knights, but the storyline between the two was also was called uh, Greener Pastures, I believe. Yes. Now this is from Green Arrow number one thirty six. And forgive me if I kind of um, skip some more specific plot points because, uh, to be honest with you, this isn't my favorite story and. 
there are a lot of beats in here that are from um, that are reminiscent of old, uh, older um, Green Lantern, Green Arrow team up issues, uh, specifically even back into this the the first Green Lantern, Green Arrow team up series. Um, but uh, so this is uh, Greener Pastures Part One called In the Garden. Writer Chuck Dixon, uh, penciler Doug Braithwaite. Um, Robin Riggs is the inker, uh, Lee Lowridge is the colorist, John Costanza is the letterer, and Darren Vincezzo, Vinso, something like that, is the guardian. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm guessing editor? I don't know. Uh, but his title here is guardian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's short and blue, I'm assuming. <laughs> um... We open up with a crazed uh, eco-terrorist, I'm assuming. I'm just going to call him an eco-terrorist. He says things like, nature restores and nature rebuilds. That is a circle of life. Man destroys and man despoils. The Earth Mother has shown us the way in this place, you know, and we have to help renew the earth and aid her in her work. And, you know, we, that is the work of the new Eden core to destroy the despoilers and erase the blight of man. So there you go. Um, now over on watchtower. And by the way, guys, watchtower is not, um, floating in geosynchronous orbit above earth. It is, uh, in, it is the base on the moon. Um, Connor Hawk has shown up, and uh, he's speaking with uh, Martian Manhunter. Uh, What can I do for you? I'm looking for a Green Lantern. John says he's here. Great! So he goes off to find him. Um, The past past few days have been of trial for him. Uh, He's kind of chilling in the garden right now. He doesn't say chilling. It'd be awesome if John said he's chilling (laughs) in the garden. I'd be Uh, chilling. Um. And uh, Connor asks what happened. He says, well, perhaps it would be best if he told you himself. So thanks for being a dick, John. Just let him walk right into this shock. Um, So uh, Connor walks into the garden. He's expecting Kyle. He runs into, of course, Hal. Um, He says, you know, I, you know, you're, you're not Ollie, you know, that whole thing. And Connor's like, wow, you know, just in shock and wow, it's Hal Jordan. And, you know, you're you're my uncle Hal, basically. Um, and, and he's like, slow down, kid. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm. You know, all this is all what you're you're talking about is in the future, and um, you know, you know. Uh, let's see, uh, Ollie and I were comrades. But is there anything I can do for you? We were both uh, comrades, members of the Justice League, and Connor goes, "You're more than that. You were brother warriors, two edges of the same blade." Desolation, the Harpies, Black Hand. Uh, Desolation and the Harpies is reference to the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series. I can tell you that much. I don't remember offhand the Black Hand reference, but I'm sure I'm going to get to it here on the spinoff. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Connor tells him what's been going on with the Eden Corps. Updates him on the death of Oliver Queen, which, by the way, I tried to find that issue and read it, but I could not find it in my personal collection. Uh, so I wasn't able to read uh, the issue of Ollie's death. Um, he says nobody could help, you know, not even Superman. Uh, it was complicated. There's more at stake than Ollie's life. He's like, where was I? Could I have helped? And Connor says, you, you were, 
you weren't there. And he and Hal knows what that means, parallax and all of that. Well, he agrees to help out Connor. Uh, they fly off together. Uh, they show up and um, run into this guy named uh, Eddie. Yes, Eddie. Um, I have no idea who Eddie is. Uh, I'm assuming he's got some connection to um, the Oliver Queen universe. Um, I He recognizes Hal. He doesn't say green the lantern he says you're hal jordan while hal is wearing his mask um he's got a guy that's part of the eden Corps. he's pumping him for information uh hal takes over the interrogation he says uh he says they shipped uh, air shipped explosives to an old air force landing field in the cascades uh so once they got the information they're going to go off and confront the the eden Corps. Um, the, he's telling him, uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. So he's, uh, earlier he didn't tell Ollie about, uh, or how about Ollie's death. Uh, he just told him that he was going through some tough times. Well, now as they're on mission, Connor decides to tell him Ollie's dead. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> How, for whatever, they're walking through this airstrip looking for the enemy. Once he hears Ollie is dead, he squats down and, and sits on the ground in the middle of, you know, expecting combat. <laughs> but whatever. Um, it's right then, of course, that everybody uh, puts shines a spotlight on him and opens fire. And um, there's a big firefight. Um, uh, Hal gets shot in the back. You know he's not dead, but he's you know kind of dazed. Uh, Connor takes out their their big their big gun, their blasting lasers or whatever the heck of the, the thing is. Um, uh, it t- Connor takes it out with an arrow. It explodes. They're confronted by the leader of the Eden Corps. Um, he tells them, you know, lay down your weapons. And we won't kill these nice folks we found here. You know, the masks, too, shouldn't be a tough choice for heroes like you. Connor's telling how you, you can't do it, you, you shouldn't, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Connor drops his bow. Uh, Hal tosses over his ring. Uh, these aren't captives. These people are members of the Eden Corps. It's, it's now revealed now that they're disarmed. Uh, and then suddenly, a blast from the past, Hardy shows out. Hardy is the guy who got Hal kicked out of the Air Force. Um, they actually both got kicked out of the Air Force. Um, I scored a blockbuster 2,000-pound nuke, is what uh, Hardy says. And he says, what do you plan to drop it on, Hardy? What city do you plan to drop it on? He says, give me some credit, Jordan. We're going to drop it on Mount Rainier. Uh, Rainier, whatever the hell's how you however you say it. Um, he says, and activate one of the oldest volcanoes on the continent. And when she blows, she'll wash Seattle and its suburbs into the Pacific on a river of lava. And just because it's comics on the nuke is written the words, think green. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that is the end of that issue. Uh, I will say that I'm not a big fan of this particular crossover, not because of the actual content of the story itself it's just 
in juxtaposition to the rest of the Emerald Twilight story, it's just out of left field. I feel. Um, and when any when anything takes me out of a story, like I th- I feel like this team up would be cool elsewhere, and we haven't even gotten to the second part of it, so I don't want to bug you guys. Now, uh, do you have this issue? No, I don't think I, I don't think I ever had the Green Arrow issue. Okay, so. Uh, Mark doesn't have much to say, so I'm just gonna allow. Well, we're gonna skip right over to the to the to the next review. But regardless, uh, I just I, I kind of feel like these two issues would have been cool on their own. But as a part of this Emerald Twilight thing, Knights, or uh, Emerald, Knights. Emerald, Emerald Knights thing, I think it's just out of left field for the tone of what Emerald Knights was trying to do. Um, it's not necessarily that this tone is a bad tone. It's just not. I don't feel it meshing very well with the tone of the rest of the story. No, I agree, um, especially when, especially when you know it's a two-part storyline, and part two is the one that happens in Green Lantern. So at least, at least if they began the story in Green Lantern, if you really wanted to see it finished, then it would motivate you to go buy the Green Arrow issue. If, if for some reason you forgot, you, you know, you completely missed the memo that it was going to be a two-parter because I remember the last, the end of last issue just said like next issue Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. That if for some reason you didn't know it was a two, it was supposed to be a two-part story, and you missed getting Green Arrow, and you and you realized it too late, it's like you might just end up, kind of like what I did, getting part two, and then it's, then you're kind of trying to play catch up, which you, which for the most part, you know, to be fair, at least you can pretty much catch up in part two to, with all the relevant points. But yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think that this really fits in. It kind of it kind of does ruin. Kind of does ruin the flow, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think they could have done something else with with if they wanted to do something else related to Hal in the past and give it make it a Hal centric issue without Kyle, they could have done something else. Or made him, you know, they could have gone a different route than than. I mean, Green Arrow in a way was na- it, it was kind of natural because because you want to have the Green Arrow Green Lantern thing, even though of course they're not the same ones that, that are used to interacting. So you can understand why they did it based on the limited time frame they had they had how to use, but I agree it does kind of it does it, it's certainly the issue that that stands out like a sore thumb that doesn't as not belonging. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 two great they're two great genres of music, but they don't belong on the same album. Two great so. tastes that don't taste great together at this moment. Yeah, it's not a peanut butter cup. All right, do you want to take one hundred and four? I will take one hundred and four. Greener Pastures, the conclusion. So what? So this issue begins basically with the flashback uh, to tell you exactly how Hal and, and Hardy ended up getting kicked out of the Air Force, and we find out that you know that, that Hardy pretty much was planning on you know hijacking the plane, and you know Hal had no you know Hal had no desire to let him do this. He wasn't going to let him turn the you know basically fly the fly the plane over to, to Russia over the Bering Strait, and it's like he had no desire to let that happen. You know, so first, Hardy, of course, tries to talk Hal into joining him, being a, being his partner. It would make it easier, yada, yada. And, of course, Hal rejects him completely. Hardy pulls a gun on him, and, of course, Hal, Hal leaps into action and goes, you're not going to do this, Hardy. And, of course, that really doesn't work out well for Hal because he kind of, like, smashes Hal's head into the uh, control panel. And... He puts Hardy puts on a parachute and goes, "Happy landings, George!" And he just parachutes out, 
and Hal's pretty much left with trying to, you know, trying to land the plane safely. You know, he really can't. He ends up taking the other parachute and jumping out right before the the plane smashes into a mountain. And as uh, we find out, this is Hal pretty much telling the story to uh, Connor. He goes, if the plane was a total loss, something like a billion dollars worth of aircraft spread all over the side of a mountain. You know, and that pretty and pretty much the uh, that experimental bomber, you know, the brass needed somebody to take a hit for it. And even though Hardy was gone, or since Hardy was gone, the only person left who could really take the fall was Hal. So at this moment, you know, as as Oliver, as uh, Hal finishes telling Connor the story, we see Hardy walk in, and you know, Hal and Hardy have their little exchanges again. And now we see, the, you know, the, we talk. Hardy kind of re-emphasizes what happened at the la- in the last issue. Is like uh, they're going to need something to help rebuild Seattle once we bomb it out of existence with that nuke you and uh, you and you and your friend are strapped to. So he's pretty much planning on killing, you know, killing Hal and Connor while he's doing his while they're doing their bombing run. We get another tie into the Eden Corps, which is direct, you know, which is directly related into. Ollie's death because Connor kind of loses it when he sees, you know, somebody. Is, is that Eddie, the guy with the mustache? Uh, I think so. The, the guy with like the who looks like a sailor almost with the, with his cap on. And he's talking. He's talking about uh, you know, what they're gonna do to uh, with the nuke, and Connor just loses it. It's like the Eaton Corps wasn't satisfied with killing my father. Now, now you want to exterminate a whole city? You're all insane. And of course, uh. You know, Hardy doesn't really care about this. Eddie doesn't really care about this. Well, we cut, you know, the the story progresses to when they're actually in the plane. And <laughs> Hal and Connor are still strapped to the nuke. And Connor's able to take an arrowhead out of his, uh, looks like his belt, right? His, his utility belt, kind of. He takes, yeah. a, he takes a, takes an arrowhead out from his belt and, he, and he's working, you know, he's working on the ropes to cut them, you know, how, you know, how tries to keep Hardy preoccupied is like, you know, it's like Hardy, you know, I should, I should be thanking you. If you hadn't gotten me booted from the air force, maybe I wouldn't have been where I needed to be to get the ring. And Har- and of course at this point, Hal's ring is off, is actually off, is off his finger. Hardy actually has Hal's ring. So that's something that is, uh, it's kind of relevant. That's one of the reasons, the only real reason Hal would be powerless unless, you know, other than his ring running out. Connor keeps working on the ropes. You know, he finally he finally breaks he kind of like breaks free of the ropes and tries to escape. But of course, that really doesn't really get him very far. And Eddie, you know, Eddie and Hardy pushed uh, Connor and Hal and the nuke pretty much into into the out the bay doors to pretty much be ready to put it because they're getting in position to to drop the bomb. We have an interesting actually it's an interesting conversation with. Uh, with Eddie, with Eddie there, you know, because Eddie just really is insane, and the other, and the other guys, you know, the other, actually it wasn't, it was, excuse me, it wasn't a party that was helping him push out, pushing him out the bomb. It was just another, another lackey there, and, but this is where the confrontation with Eddie and this lackey, and it's like that's a nuclear bomb you're gonna shoot at. I didn't sign up for this. And it's like if you don't believe in the cause, the Eden Corps doesn't want you, and he shoots him in the heart. You know, so that so ben, Bengal was that guy's name. He's dead. You know, Connor. How did they get free again? 
Connor cut him free. Oh, they cut him both free. Yeah. Okay, so so Con- so basically Connor's attempt to escape was more like a distraction, really, at that point. So Hal, Hal and Connor are, are free. Uh, Connor goes after Eddie. Hal goes after Hardy, almost like kind of like in a in a rematch of what hap- of what happened uh, in the past. Con- you know, Connor is much much more successful than Hal. Hal ends up getting scratched in his face, which is kind of like a a very girly move on Hardy's part. <laughs> and of course, you know. Hardy kind of points out that this all kind of seems familiar, doesn't it, Hal? It's like, except there's only one shoot this time. So Hardy, you know, Hardy grabs the shoot, and he, you know, he's about to, he's about to jump, jump out the, the plane and leave everybody behind. As Hal again is fighting to prevent the plane from crashing, Connor leaps into action and shoots an arrow and, and catches the chain that uh, Hardy had Hal's ring hanging hanging off of. So basically, Connor's able to prevent Hal's ring from going out with Hardy. Hal's still fighting to save the ship. Um, luckily, you know Hal also is able to Hal's able to put the ring on at this point and become Green Lantern again. The uh, I'm trying to go through everything here. So they're able to. Basically, Hal's able to – he prevents the plane from, from crashing. You know, the, the plane's temp, temporarily on autopilot while Hal goes after Hardy. He cut, you know, he cuts the parachute. He, he encages, encases him in a green cage, and he captures him. And so, so that super non-interesting story with Hardy ends, <laughs> and we have – you know, we kind of have a little more kind of like a quieter scene at the end with Oliver, at Oliver's grave – with Hal and with Connor paying their respects, and Hal is just saying, you know, we we did okay by him, you know, Connor, and I'm sure Ollie could, you know, I'm sure Ollie's looking down at us and smiling, and that pretty much ends 104. Yeah, I don't have much to say. I mean, I kind of already said it. You know, it's 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 a it's a cool Hal and Connor team up, but it it's not for this story. No, it, I hate to say it's filler, but it almost has a filler feel to it. Yeah. All right, you want me to move on to, uh, what the, is it? Uh, 105. 105. The two, the two really good parts of this. <laughs> That's all right. All right, so uh, the uh, the penultimate part of this storyline, uh, Ron Mars writer Jeff Easton and Scott Eaton, uh, Jeff Johnson and Scott uh, Eaton is Pencils, uh, Bob Wyacek uh, and Don Hudson on inks. Rob Schwager and, uh, on uh, color and separations. Chrissy Leopolis letters. Chuck Kim assistant and Kevin Dooley editor. Um, Kyle was called in to Warriors to have uh, John Stewart and Guy Gardner get his opinion on some blueprints. Uh, but Warriors has been blown to shit. Again. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Kyle starts cleaning up a little bit of the mess to find some people. Uh, you know, he moves, he moves, uh, a few bits of rubble to find John, picks up John, you know, was it, was it Sonar? Was it major disaster and dark side on a rampage? And, um, uh, guy stands up and, uh, it freaks out and he doesn't freak out. He's like, you know, he says, um, you know, he checks on Stuart and he says, 
Well, that little display of yours was pretty convenient. He says, don't look at me. I don't seem to have any control over it. And Kyle's finally like, well, just tell me what the hell happened. Um, it was how. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they, you know, flashback. Um, they say, um, you know, they're going over these blueprints and uh, Hal shows up and they are like, you know, let's celebrate, you know, let's have some beer or whatever. And Hal's like, uh, you, you know, looking at a statue of himself, he's just so naive and all this stuff. And he says, uh, as he's staring off into space, um, uh, guy's like, you know, hey, anybody home? Uh, sorry, just thinking about being a man at a time, what I do, where I go. I'm really here trying to find myself. But I'm bummed. <laughs> uh, and, and that's when John grabs Guy and says, look at him, his face, he's older. That's not how, not the how we think anyways. And that's when he transformed into Parallax. Which is really um, cool because this is the first time I think they ever used a para- the Parallax font for his name. I'm pretty sure this was the first appearance of a Parallax font for his name. Maybe I don't. I, th- know I think sure. it was because I, th- I could be wrong, but I was pretty. I think it could have stood out like a sore thumb. I think when I remember, when I read this issue when it first came out, that it seemed weird. That it's like, hey, they finally gave him his own font. So I think this might have been the first appearance of that. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, and uh, Parallax says, "And you will tell me where Hal Jordan is." And Guy, being thick-headed as always, says, "Tell you, but you are Hal Jordan. Uh, we trusted you." And now, you just don't understand, guy. I kind of expected that from you. So, uh, Parallax starts beating the hell out of everything. And then Guy transforms into Warrior um, and, you know, tries to take on Parallax and doesn't succeed, obviously. Um, John all of a sudden lights up and uh, shoots some energy out of his fists, and that's it. Um,. He says, you know, t- t- I'll tell you where I can find Hal Jordan, or, or tell me where you can find Hal Jordan. Uh, Guy says, you know, let John go. I'll tell you what you want to know. He's on the moon, leaving, living at the Justice League Watchtower. Uh, so now you know, but you're going to have to get through me to get there. And that's not going to happen. They face off against one another. A big choom happens. Uh, everything goes dark. Uh, Parallax flies up through the roof, uh, exits, and um, Kyle says, I'm going to go after him. Guy wants to go with. He says, somebody needs to get John to the hospital. And uh, no offense, Guy, but Parallax already wiped you out. You need to heal. So uh, Kyle's going to go up and uh, chase after Parallax. Meanwhile, Hal is on Watchtower, looking off into space, talking to John. Um, he sees this, uh, green light go shooting past his window. Well, we see this green light going, shooting past his, this, this window. And we're assuming that Hal probably sees it too. Kyle is chasing Parallax through the surface of the moon. But before, uh, Parallax can get there, uh, and into Watchtower, uh, Kyle tackles Parallax to the surface. Well, Parallax stands up and says something kind of surprising. Who are you supposed to be? You know who I am. I'm Kyle Rayner. I'm Green Lantern. And and Parallax is like, there are no Green Lanterns anymore. And this is when we get the reveal that this is zero hour Parallax. I think. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, as he's coming back from the future, he sensed a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and uh, he felt his younger self. <laughs> and, <laughs> and not in the Duggar kind of way either. <laughs> so he, he goes back to rectify this. Well, now that Kyle knows he's taking on Parallax, uh, you know, a couple of shots here and there, and then he has a construct Kilowog take him on and is like, it throws him off for just a second, you know, Kilowog, but but I killed, nah, nice try. Um, they're fighting, um, uh, Kyle's using cool constructs like a kind of Space Godzilla, um, which I shouldn't say Space Godzilla because there actually was a Space Godzilla. Um, but anyways, uh, they're they're just fighting back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Parallax finally gets the better of Kyle. Says, uh, it's too late for anything except seeking out Jordan. And then from behind Parallax, don't bother. You found him. And how Jordan is rushing in to take on Parallax head on. And next, how Jordan versus Parallax. I like this issue. This issue is really good. What about it? I think all of it. I think the art, especially the art when they were at Warriors. Right. That was, that was that was a that was especially good. I think you can tell that must be more Scott Eaton's pencils there, because it looks because it has a completely different look than Johnson's stuff. So I like a lot. I I like the way, even though it's not a classic para, parallax look in his armor, he kind of looks a little different, maybe a little bulkier. But I do like I do like the way Hal looks before this version of Hal before he transforms into Parallax. He's got a scowl on his face. Yeah, and just even when he's wearing his shirt, just, you know, just look, looking at, looking at, you know, the, the, you know, the statue basically of himself or the, the, you know, the representative of Hal as a Green Lantern, that figure in, encased in glass. I thought that was pretty cool. I also like the, I like that we finally got a little bit of payoff from when, during uh, Emerald Night, when Hal gave, when he, Cured John so he could walk again and, and put the green energy into him. Uh, the first, the first hint at the whole thing about you have a bright future ahead of you. The first, like a little remnant or a little, like little breadcrumb, I should say more about that coming to fruition when we see John able to wield some of that energy that Parallax himself put in him. I like the the way after he wipes out Guy like in two seconds and he's leaving Warriors. And just the the way he's leaving Warriors and the way it's in fragments and he's looking at the stuff on the ground that just is very Emerald Twilight esque. The way he's looking at the st- like the ring on the ground, even though he doesn't step on it, but it's like the ring his ring hand of the statue is down there. The way he's just looking at his head, you know, the way his head's off and everything else, and you know, which obviously works on multiple levels. Uh, I like that. I thought that was cool. I liked. I liked the reveal that it was, you know, that it's zero hour parallax, which of course raises some questions that we'll talk about. I think once we do do the final part about, well, we'll just wait to that part. I think it's more relevant. But I just, and it's and it's and it's cool seeing, you know, anytime Kyle and Parallax square off, it's kind of cool. And it, it was it was kind of nice, even though it doesn't really help, that it was kind of nice that Hal, that Kyle actually had the upper hand just based from a knowledge base because he knew what was going on. <laughs> He knew Parallax, but Parallax didn't know him. So, so what did you? Right. What did you like about it? 
Uh, I just, I mean, it was, it was just cool in general. Um, it was nice to kind of get back on track. Um, I do agree with the, uh, especially when Hal transforms into parallax, uh, the face, not so much, but I think the, uh, the pose and the armor and the cape and the power. It all yeah, it's a powerful really cool. page. This is an absolutely powerful page. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd forgotten that, um, Pe- the the reason guy uh, uh, John has this power is because of parallax. Um, now that you said it, it definitely you know is like a door opened in my memory. So I I, I remember that now. Um, I don't know. I, I just not a whole lot to say. It really is face uh, surface level. Uh, not a lot of background stuff or you know uh, references to past things. That all kind of comes later. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I did too. I thought this was a this was a this was a really good issue. It was something, especially back in the, back in the day before you have you know before you the internet and you know everything that's coming down the road and all these issues that it was kind of like a surprise that they were going off and kind of like taking it in that direction. Not totally because it makes sense, but it was kind of it was it was kind of cool that they did something like that. That was I thought that was pretty good. All right, you want to bring us home? Bring us home in one issue 106, which has which has a great cover of Hal duking it out with Parallax, even knocking off a piece of his armor. But Kyle, not surprising, Kyle unconscious, laying on the ground in front of them. But winner loses all, which is pretty cool. And I should mention that the creative team for for this issue, as well as pretty much all the even issues in Emerald Twilight, now you got me doing it, in Emerald Knights, uh, Ron Mars, writer, Paul Pelletier, the penciler, Terry Austin, inker, Rob Schwager was also the color, did colors and separations, and these issues as well. So he's kind of like the common thread, I guess, and all, other than Ron, and all six of these issues. So we open up with a very cool splash page of, of Hal smashing Parallax, you know, with, with two, you know, just two hands held together. It's like, get away from him! You bitch! <laughs> So it's like you can't be here, Parallax. You're me, and it's like, and Parallax has just got my God. Look at you. Look, look how young you are. Look how young I am. And it's like, and Hal's, you know, Hal's almost as, or pretty much, he's as confused as Kyle is, and you know, Parallax kind of gives him the, kind of gives him the, the, the ever so brief version that you know, I was, I was coming back from, the, I was coming back from journey journeying through the time stream, like we found out, you know, from Zero Hour, and he kind of felt. To something was wrong with his younger self. We don't know if it really would work that way, but from the sake of the story, it worked that way. He knew something wasn't quite right in his own past, and he had to get Hal back into the right time. So Hal basically could follow the steps that would lead him to becoming Parallax, because he has too much stuff to do. <laughs> As we find, too many things to do, too many wrongs to right to have anything get in the way. You know, and, and Hal pretty much just straight out tells him it doesn't really matter even if you did put me back in the past knowing everything i know now there's no way i'm going to i'm going to follow the same path and i and hal's like i don't understand how both of us can be here but if going back means there's even a chance i'll turn into you and do those things you know i i won't let it happen and for he blasts parallax when he's saying that so temporarily parallax seems to be incapacitated and Hal runs over to Kyle to see if he's okay, and 
you know, now Hal's asking Kyle, like, how is any of this possible? I mean, what really is going on here? And, you know, Kyle's barely conscious and he's bleeding. And it's like, it's like the best I can figure out, you know, is that, you know, yeah, jumping through time, you know, is time travel is pretty much hopscotch to him, parallax. So he just, you know, you're a glitch in his time stream and he needs to fix it. And right at this moment, you know, Hal kind of senses that, you know, Parallax is moving behind him, is coming around him with his cape. Then he sees Parallax you know, with his hand open with the energy swirling from it, and boom, just like that, we're taking Kyle, Parallax, and Hal are taking back to Coast City, frozen in time. This is pretty cool. Right before, actually back to the Reign of the Superman issue when, you know, Coast City was about to be blown to hell. The, you can see Mongols' orbs, you know, are, are floating still in the space, are floating right above Coast City. I mean, in the air. And Hal's, you know, he doesn't know what's going on, and and Parallax just says, you know, this is moments in time. You know, the, the, everything's not moving because they froze it, Hal. And this is just before Coast City gets vaporized. That millions of seven million people get wiped out. So many people we cared about get wiped out. You know, it's like. You know, he wants to show he wants to show Hal stuff, and, and Hal's really concerned about Kyle. And he goes, "Don't worry about Kyle; he's fine. He just kind of passed out from the you know the strain of time travel. He'll be all right. Just leave him here. I just I only brought him here to begin with, just so he doesn't get anybody else involved in this stuff, since it has to be down to you and me." So, so Hal agrees to follow Parallax, and Parallax more or less takes him through the whole tour of every of what everybody's doing at Coast City. And uh, this, I, I really liked this. This was a cool tie-in directly to Emerald Twilight. So this was about, he even shows how uh, his first girlfriend, Jenny, who actually is in Emerald Twilight, that he actually shows Jenny what, to Hal, like moments before, pretty much she's about to get you know burned to a crisp, that you actually see what she looked like at the moment right before her death. And, you know, how Parallax is trying to convince Hal, look at all this, all these people are going to die, you know, you know the, you know, they're gonna be this mother and child. They're gonna be you know bur burned alive. The skin's gonna be melting right off, you know, melting right off their bodies in front of each other and everything. And it's like, does that really seem right to you? It's like everything unravels if you don't go back to where you belong, Hal. I mean, I, you know, I can't undo this unless you unless I, you go back so I can exist. You know, Hal's looking at you know his first girlfriend. He's looking at Jennifer, and for a moment, Hal is like. You can see Hal's thinking about it ever so briefly, and he goes, "No, he goes, I won't ever become what you know what you are. Like whatever happened to Coast City was an abomination, and if there's any way to undo it, there has to it has to be a way that doesn't involve something or someone like you." So then Hal and Parallax square off in some pretty in pretty cool battle scenes. You know, they they just keep duking it out. Uh, Hal keeps trumping, saying, "You know, I'm not going to let you do this. It's you know it's." I have enough, you know, you and I pretty much have the same willpower, so how can you beat me? And Parallax is saying it doesn't all come down to to willpower now. It comes down to, you know, look at all the the raw power that I have. It doesn't even matter. You know, you, can, you, can't, you can't stop me. And one of the little interesting things about this issue is when, you know, when Parallax is going, you know, you know, I can fix everything. I can fix Bar Barry Allen, bring him back, Coast City, the core. I can fix everything. He's pleading to Hal. And Hal goes, what about Oliver Queen? You couldn't fix him. You couldn't say prevent his death. 
And this really, and this stuns Parallax, which is kind of interesting. That Parallax seemingly has no uh, no knowledge that Oliver Queen, as we in the in the current time frame before they got pulled back to Coast City in the past, that in Kyle's present, that Oliver Queen was dead. So that so that just stuns Parallax. And that and that opens the door for Hal to you know take a couple of good shots in at him, one with an arrow to the face, which is kind of funny. You know, but Parallax continues. You know, it's like, why can't you understand? Coast City's only the beginning. I'm going to wipe the slit. Slate clean, rebuild the whole universe. It'll be so much better. And a pretty cool part where Hal, Hal grabs Parallax by the cape and starts smashing him around, kind of like the, the Hulk with Loki. <laughs> that was so they keep they keep pouring it on, and then as they're fighting, Kyle now gets back into the back into the game, and he goes, "You guys just stop it." It's like you know all this stuff is right in front of you. The answer is right in front of you, but you're so blind and so invested in this and pounding each other, you can't see it. It's like pretty much both you guys have to go back and do what you know, do everything you've done before. It's like everything has to play out the way it needs to play out. It's like uh, yeah, Kyle, you know, reiterates to Hal, you know, you, you have to do, you you have to go back in the past because Parallax has to be the one, has to be the one, has to get to this point and everything has to play out because he has to be in a position to save the sun when the sun eater comes around. And once again, Parallax is like seems to be stunned by the fact that he dies, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So they they come up with this they come up with this really interesting, though not necessarily logical, really plan that since Kyle's ring is different than Hal's, and Hal's ring has some abilities that Kyle's doesn't, and vice versa, somehow the three of them are going to basically all use their power to put everybody back where they belong and to have no memories of. Kyle, I mean, Parallax and Hal are going to go back to their respective time frames, have no memories of their meeting, no memories of the additional information that they, they have garnered about each one's future. They're going to go back. To, you know, Kyle's, I think Hal's ring is the one that's going to, you know, wipe their memories clean. Parallax's power, boosted by Kyle, is going to send everybody back to their proper time frame. And everything's supposed to be happily or unhappily ever after as the way as, as it played out. Um, before, you know, before Kyle and Hal, before this whole thing comes together, you know, Hal and Kyle have a nice tender moment together. You know, they, they shake hands. Uh, what well, you, what's the ending of this? And you understand, we understand what exactly is going on when we see the end. But when, it, when Parallax is talking right before Hal and Kyle have this moment, Parallax is talking about, you know, I'll do what's right. That's all I ever wanted. Even if it means sacrificing myself, you know. But he has to go first, meaning Hal. And while he's saying that, Hal, his back is towards Parallax and, and to Kyle, and, and you see like a, a flash of green energy. But you don't know why yet. So Kyle and Hal shake hands, and, you know, they hug, and you know, Hal and Parallax kind of have a moment. Like, it's like I can't, they both can't really, pa Hal can't understand what, you know, Parallax is like, I see you, but I can't imagine me being in this position. And he goes, you can't unless you've been through this, and one day you will be. So they 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 use their little their little game their little trick you know their little all three let's work together. So Hal gets sent back into the past as he's supposed to to deal with Sinestro in their first encounter without Kyle being involved. The whole events of Zero Hour play out the way they're supposed to, and Kyle gets sent back into present day New York the way it you know where he was to begin with. And now Hal you know Kyle is talking to Jenny about you know. Having to uh, having dealt with Hal and have spent some time with him, you know, it's, it means a lot to carry on the tradition. 
and you know I and now and also the fact that I've met the core when I did my time traveling it's like you know it just gave me a different perspective you know this job is bigger than one you know one protecting New York or even Earth it's got you know it's bigger than this so he goes I think that's what Hal was trying to tell me you know at the end and he goes he said you because Hal told Kyle when he when he was hugging him and holding that you'll know what to do with this. He kind of whispered it to him, and, and now we find out that when they were shaking hands, Hal had made a duplicate of his ring, and, and he had given it to Kyle. So now Kyle has an extra Green Lantern ring to to delve out to who he wishes. And thus ends Emerald Twilight, Emerald Knight. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming this is when the new core thing starts up? It's both. It's, yeah, it begins... Immediately, it begins with the J, you know, with the J, you know, him offering the ring to a bunch of different people, Alan and John and Guy and Jade, and eventually leading, of course, to John getting it when he's off Earth again. But yes, it, this this does open. This begins the process of when he goes into space to try to uh, to restart the, the core with the, that new core uh, miniseries, two issue series, right? The prestige format thing. So. So what did you think before I talk about it? What did you think? I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I'm, there's a lot in it, but again, I don't have a lot to say. It's kind of it, it really is kind of all there on the page. I think um, I think some of the re- I think in terms of things to talk about, I think it's the art that deserves to be talked about. Yeah. I mean, there are uh, obviously in that first issue uh, we got recreations of scenes from uh, various. Uh, uh, things, but these are more int- intricate moments from those uh, major storylines, uh, from uh, uh, Reign of the uh, Reign of the Superman and uh, uh, Zero Hour and, and all of that. Uh, really, really, really good recreations there, uh, especially that scene where uh, Parallax is standing over you know Superman and them in Zero Hour and says you know I'm taking the name Parallax and all that. Um, so I think it was a, a pretty good feat, um, not just in terms of storyline, but just also in terms of, uh, you know, the artist uh, faithfully uh, representing those scenes uh, from those major storylines, which, I mean, honestly, you know, in terms of timing, didn't happen really at the time the storyline was out, didn't really happen that long ago. No, but it was, you know, it's it's a certain... You know, it's a it's like four years at least, four four to five years for some of yeah. these things. For certainly Emerald Twilight. So yeah, it's not like ancient history, but they did a they did a really nice job. I, I mean, th- tying this into Convergence briefly because like, there's something in this that reminded me of Convergence, but using this as a reference point to how you're going back and you're trying to capture moments of a story the way it played out originally. Not saying that there's not stuff in here you probably could pick apart, but Throwing that thing in about about Jennifer was a nice touch, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like there's little things like that that would have been real easy not to even go down that road, but they did that, which directly ties into Emerald Twilight and, of course, the you know destruction of Co- specifically the destruction of Coast City. So if a little bit like more detail like that was put into like the Convergence miniseries, like the Parallax the Parallax one, I think that would have been kind of cool. This is just, you know, of course, this is Ron writing it, so it's real easy for Ron to re- to do stuff like that, which is why Ron probably should have been writing that one. <laughs> but speaking of convergence, how talk about something again when we talked about, you know, 
kind of like the randomness of throwing Kyle and Hal and Metropolis, you know, because especially since there were 8,000 versions of Metropolis in, in Divergence and those cities that were saved. How cool would it have been if, like, this, if it was at this moment in time that these three characters were plucked into Convergence? Parallax, what? Hal, and Kyle. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would say so, for sure. That would have been that. That was a, that would be a world worth revisiting, and he still could. You know, that would have been that would have been pretty. That would have been pretty cool. So, but just I think in a way that maybe that's what was in my mind's eye when I was thinking about you know how going back to Coast City and maybe that I think I probably was you know, channeling this that that splash page because I remember that because that's because that's pretty cool. Um, I it kind of to me it kind of seemed a little too convenient about how. I, they can explain a little bit of it away because Kyle did technically wear Hal's normal Green Lantern ring briefly in issue one, in issue one hundred. But but it, we hard we don't really think Kyle got a whole working knowledge on everything a Green Lantern ring could do in that brief time wearing Kyle's old ring. Since for for the most part, Kyle does we know everything his own ring can do. So how would he really know that Kyle's that Hal's ring could do that with your memory? It kind of seems a little convenient. Um, we know obviously ha- Parallax being able to send people back to their proper time frame really isn't much of a stretch, but the idea that oh we we know for sure that hot, what your ring can help strip strip these memories away, it's like well I don't know, to me that kind of seemed a little shaky. But one of the things that I thought was interesting about that concept is we know we know based on what actually happened in Final Night. Um, especially once we saw related to Ollie, Ollie's mm-hmm. resurrection, that Hal knew, Hal acknowledged after the fact that he knew he was going to die, that he knew he was going to die in Final Night. Now, do we think, this is like an opinion question, do you think that we're supposed to take, and going back to Parallax's view when Hal and Ollie were fighting, when, Hal, when, when Parallax said to Ollie, you know, there's going to be a time, Oliver, when I'm not going to be around to save you. Which to me always alluded to the fact that Parallax knew that Hal was, that Ollie was going to die. That he always knew that Oliver was going to die and he wasn't going to be in a position to save him. That do we think that Parallax learned all the stuff on his own just because the, the actual zero-hour Parallax hadn't finished all his jumping back and forth from the future into the past, and eventually he learned all these things, so he knew that? Or do we think that's kind of like a remnant of the story that he didn't? That he didn't quite forget everything he was supposed to forget. He forgot everything he needed. He forgot everything that was relevant as far as him fulfilling his destiny, as far as not, you know, altering his plans, knowing he was going to lose in zero hour or anything. That, but maybe he didn't forget everything. Because I always kind of took it that he didn't forget. That he made sure he remembered that uh, Oliver's death. So that uh, that Ollie was going to die. That he made sure he held on to that. So maybe he would fi- actually find out how and when Oliver was going to die. Um, I don't know. I'm inclined to think the former rather than the latter. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell based on the, the clues that are in there. I mean, it, I mean, obviously we can guess either way, but I, it's kind of hard to tell definitively, uh, like, you know, by, in terms of saying, well, I think this clearly point, you know, I think X, Y, and Z here clearly point out that he did it on purpose. I don't think that there's enough of that in this story to, to make those kinds of claims. So I, 
I think it's definitely, I think it's probably the former rather than the latter. But again, I, there's, there's no way I can say one way or another for sure, whether it is or isn't former being that that's just, that just was a result of his time travel that he knew all these things. Yes. Yeah. I, some of it, I mean, I would, I mean, you would think he would know about, you would think he would know about his own death. I mean, it's pr- I mean, when you when you have the ability to time travel pretty easily, you would think you'd be able to know if you're going to succeed pretty easily just by jumping back and forth. Um, but and yeah, you would think you'd you'd, you'd know about a lo- know about your own future. You think that's something you would you would kind of look into. So maybe him knowing he 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 was going to die himself was something that he learned during his times. You know that he this was this was Hal during zero hour, but not Hal, but this was not like the literally. Hal, and after he made his final trip to the future, and he was never going back again. So basically, he didn't know any, you know, everything he didn't know, he wasn't going to know from this point on about, you know, the events. There's no proof of that. He could very easily have been in between and had still multiple time jumps to do. So I think that's very possible. I, the Oliver thing, and I it's just a gut thing. I just think the Oliver thing, knowing the way Hal is and knowing certainly his parallax, it wouldn't surprise me at all that he would. That he would make sure that that part, you know, that that part of his memory wasn't erased. That he would know that Oliver was going to die, just so he would know how. So, so he'd be able to find out how and when Oliver died, so he was eventually able to do what he did at, during Final Night, which was before he went off to die, he made sure he was able to, you know, visit Superman and get the fragment of Ollie's DNA and be able to basically bring Ollie back physically. So I don't know. It could be either way. I mean, you're right. There, there is no definitive. There is no definitive way one way or the other, um, just based on what was on the page. But I think it, it's certainly interesting to think about because it, it certainly does kind of raise the raise the specter, no pun intended, of <laughs> of what. Uh, <laughs> every time you use that expression, my friend, it's kind of hard not to think <laughs> and laugh. That it's kind. It, it's really difficult not to wonder if. Parallax maybe held on to some of the knowledge he gained in the storyline, which we then saw later on play out the way – basically, play, has, it has already played out in most of these things. Like, the Parallax viewers already technically played out in proper continuity. Emerald Twilight has already paid, played out zero hour. The Oliver Queen resurrection thing hasn't really – didn't really play out in proper – in real time yet. But still, the idea is that, that maybe all these things were kind of influenced by his holding on to these memories. But yeah, I mean, it's possible anyway. And I don't, I don't want to spoil the Flash for you, just in case this is something you want to, you know, watch or, or whatever. But um, there's a there's kind of a concept that you know when you're when you're running uh, in the Speed Force, you see reflections like a time mirage or, or you know something like that, where you know the the Speed Force kind of reflects. And opens brief little windows into either alternate dimensions or realities or, or whatever. And I'm wondering if it's the same for Parallax. You know, like as he's traveling through time, he's not necessarily experiencing anything, but is he getting glimpses of 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 time? Uh, you know, past, present, and future. Uh, so maybe he does retain. I don't want to say retain because that makes it sound like this specific knowledge he has kept, but maybe he, he does have knowledge of the future in, in so far that he saw a glimpse of it, but not necessarily that it's retained from this storyline. 
that's that is that's possible because because certainly we know, certainly we know that he certainly has a uh, a a an, an update text message going to his brain whenever something happens to him you know himself in the past now whether there's any kind of whether there's any kind of alert to him about something that hap- happened in the future that could be a problem or something he should be aware of related to himself that's that could be completely different but yeah i don't know i think it's it was something certainly worth bringing up for discussion because whenever when I when I read that when I read that storyline I've always I kind of have always wondered about that whether knowing him the way he was whether that whether and not doing it to be selfish probably doing it for the opposite reason because because of especially related to Ollie because of how close he was to Ollie that he, once he found once he knew for a fact that you know that that Ollie was going to die that it would be pretty important to him to find out how and when. So if there was any way for for him to prevent it at some point, then maybe he would be able to. Or so I, I always thought, and I I thought that when I read when I read this, and then and then after then once we got to the point where we you know when Kevin Smith started writing Green Arrow and we knew just from the the little page of without even seeing a full parallax, but just seeing parallax's leg and cape, like standing over Oliver's grave. And then all of a sudden we see, you know, green arrow joining him pretty much that we knew, we knew even without, before we got the full explanation that the specter gives Ollie, that we knew that, you know, parallax was going to be you know playing a major factor in resurrecting Oliver Queen that I've always thought that maybe that was something that maybe that was something that was not in the literally not in the original timeline, but something he, he learned and kept with him, um, just like just like I always, just like I always felt that you know the the, the par- you know when when you look back at it at looking at Parallax view that absolutely uh, Hal was alluding to Ollie's death, you know when he was going to get blown up when he was talking to Oliver like you know one of these days Oliver I'm not going to be around here to save you I won't be I won't be able to save you right. so so that I think because Hal at that point knew for a fact how Oliver died so. But it's interesting. It certainly was, you know, it's certainly worth a worth a discussion. For sure. Uh, I, I honestly don't have anything else about this specific issue. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of all there on the page. Uh, I think the art is one of the more uh, obviously the story is great, but I think the art is the uh, little more of a standout achievement just in terms of what it accomplishes on its own and, and in terms of reinterpreting other stuff. Um, but. Uh, uh, Overall, I, I like the story. The, the one thing I wanted to ask before we wrap up here, because been you know lots of issues in this thing, guys. Uh, but I, one, one thing I wanted to ask before we wrapped up, unless you had some specific thoughts about this specific issue that you wanted to get out. Um, let me take one quick flash through. No pun intended. Um, like you said, the art certainly was the high, the art stands out really, really at a high level in this issue. You know, Pelletier does a great job, not just with Hal, but with Kyle too, with all three of the main characters. So even with Jenny at the end, I mean, it's just really, really, really good art. Uh, um, I don't think there's anything specific about this issue, so why don't, so feel free to go to your go to your your point or your question. 
my, my, my final thought slash question here is what do you feel about this storyline as a whole? Now, obviously, uh, what the main, the main point of any story in the comic is to, you know, move your character forward. Um, you know, we get, um, a, you know, uh, one of the hallmarks of Kyle Rayner as, as a character, uh, especially early on in his run is how uncertain he is. Um, well now we have, you know, uh, Kyle Rayner uh, has now gone through, uh, you know, zero hour and final night and, you know, all this stuff. But now he's being paired up with, with Hal Jordan. I mean, this is, this is a story beyond this, just this trade. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's including future shock and all these experiences that, Ky- that Kyle has suddenly been forced to go through in very rapid succession. So where do you feel about, or what do you feel uh, Kyle learned from all this? Where where was Kyle Rayner before all this started, and where did he end up after? Well, I'm not sure like, if, if you could say it, it actually carried through throughout Kyle's run after this, but when you really look at some of the things that happened in this ish, in this arc, not this issue, but this arc, this is, a, in many ways, this is a lot more... A lot more of a confident Kyle, even even when it's you know, or is a lot more. He's a lot more definitive in his decision making and his actions. That he's a lot more decisive. I mean, you look at you look at the final, you look at the you know the final issue here. That he's the one who basically he's he's the one who comes up with a solution, if you will, to the problem, and he's the one who you know he's he's not he's unwavering about that. He's the one when he, you know, he confronts, par- you know, confronts Parallax. You know, he doesn't think twice. He knows what he's got to do. He, he not only to do, not only in the big picture what he has to do, but you know, doing it to try to protect Hal from Par, you know, from Parallax. Uh, the way he's trying to look, the way he's trying to look out for Hal in many ways throughout this. Even though, yes, we know, like in issue 103, especially, you get the little, you got the whole jealousy thing and the fear of. Fear of kind of being replaced by the guy you replaced in a way, kind of the, the whole walking. But now I literally have to walk in this guy's shadows because he's because he's here. That this whole sloppy seconds thing that he has to wrestle with, but he gets over that. And yes, Batman does help, but he, but he gets over that relatively quickly and is able to deal with it. I just think it, it's in a way, in many level on many levels, it's a uncharacteristic. It's kind of uncharacteristic for Kyle because Kyle has always been somebody like you, and it's and it's it still carries forward today, even in a lot of the stories we get in current continuity. That Kyle tends to always be the one that doubts himself and doesn't think doesn't think he can do it, and someone else has to kind of like give him the push to be able to do do stuff. He's not supremely confident. He's not, for lack of a better way of saying it, he's not how or how tends to believe in himself no matter what, and he'll jump jump in head first even if it's not the right thing to do. But this was, I think, this was, I think, and maybe that was part of the part of the design of the storyline to have them work, have them go side by side, and you see you see the differences between the two of them, and you see that on some levels, at least right now, based on the how they gave you to, you know, to compare him to, that Kyle pretty much can hold his own on many levels, and that's and that's a good thing. So maybe that was maybe that maybe that was the ultimate goal, since we know the real goal wasn't to try to, you know, whet the appetite. And and do a kind of like test the waters to see if Hal could could support a series and things like that, which of course was some of the fallout from this while the story arc was going on. Uh, how you know I think we mentioned this on a previous on the previous show, probably the Ron show, that about how you know 
there's a lot of stuff going on in Wizard at the time when this storyline came out about with different polls. You know, would could you would you support two Green Lantern books? Which now kind of seems funny because we have had so many Green Lantern books over the last you know five or six years and. As Ron mentioned, and, and we kind of knew too that there was a time frame even before Emerald Twilight, but you know, there were a lot of Green, there were several Green Lantern books. So only one was really focused on, you know, the main exploits of a Green Lantern as a traditional Green Lantern. Mosaic was a little different. Guy was already not a Green Lantern anymore. So, but the I, there were so many a lot of a lot of polls like, would you support both books? If you could only buy one book, would you buy Kyle? Would you buy Hal's? So, well, there's also Dark Stars. Don't forget. Yes, Dark Stars was one. Yes, Dark Stars was another one of those. Dark Stars did fall did fall into that, which was not truly Green Lantern, but a yes, but it had John in it, and it def- and it was uh, it was definitely related to the con- the concept is pretty much Green Lantern esque, if you will. Um, so, but yeah, so this storyline while it was going on opened a lot of doors, but. It, we know, and we kind of think deep down knew at the time that this wasn't being, this wasn't being set up to try to establish a second Green Lantern book or to keep keep Hal around, even for a short period of time, based based on keeping the time stream uh, correct. You really couldn't keep Hal back in the present indefinitely. You could keep him back for a while and then just to kind of give a, give you an ending like they did here, where everything gets reset, but. I think a lot of people were curious about that to see, you know, a lot of people were interested. It probably would have worked for a certain period of time. I think if the storyline had been a little longer, you would have had a better idea whether people would have been willing to support even short term, maybe two books. But at this point, realistically, uh, Hal Jordan was still a dirty word. Not a dirty word enough where they wouldn't bring him back to, for sales, like in the story arc, and to, to use him for merchandising. But he still was a dirty word where they would not want to do anything to bring back the Kyle versus Hal debate, which they ended during with final, you know, with final night that put that to bed. So they were not, had, they didn't have any desire to revisit that. So this was kind of like, I'm not going to say it was a money-making gimmick because I don't think that was the case, but it was a, it was a story arc, which, which is very good on its own. And I think it, it, it really does justice to both the main characters in this, both Hal and Kyle. I don't think either one comes out looking bad and it just continues the relationship in a way that had always, been, even with Hal, and, with Parallax, Hal, Parallax, and Kyle, that's always been established that even when they're on opposite sides, they kind of always have a respect for each other and they like each other, even when they have to square off and take different, you know, different sides. So I know I rambled. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, that was kind of like the last thought I had about it, just kind of thinking about where Kyle was versus where he ended up. Overall, I you know definitely enjoyed the story. It's probably one of the better ones in the Kyle Rayner run. Um, uh, definitely one of the more meaningful ones in terms of it being a pure Hal as opposed to Parallax. I mean, obviously Parallax plays a role, um, but uh, definitely definitely uh, worthy in, in that regard as well. Um, again, the art uh, is pretty great, uh, and the story is is great. You know. It, uh, again, the only thing that really throws it off is the Green Lantern, Green Arrow thing, and and that even that it's it's not bad. It just doesn't like a, like we've said before, just doesn't mesh well with the 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 flow and rhythm of this particular uh, story that they're trying to tell. Um, uh, obviously, it makes sense to have Hal and uh, a Green Arrow team up, but you know it just uh, doesn't work very well in in terms of this story. Are you reading this as it came out or? Me? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That was this is really I was this was a big sto- this was a big storyline for me at at the time because you know, being being a basically a convert a converted Hal guy since like I've said before I started reading it when Kyle took over the book and then I went I re- I kind of discovered or rediscovered Hal you know retroactively that this was one anytime we got to see Hal was it was a plus and and it had already been like you know been over twenty issues around twenty issues since they killed him off in Final Night. So you pretty much had, you know, you, you take you take what you can get. That, that kind of was my attitude at the time. You got to take what you can get. And plus, it was a good storyline with Hal as Green Lantern and having and throwing Parallax in was kind of kind of a plus too, because in a way, that was always a way they could have always brought Parallax back during you know, in in any time they wanted to for stories because of the fact that his ability to travel through time it didn't have to be the current Parallax. But I know they wouldn't want, wouldn't want to go to the well, you know, that many times, which is probably why they didn't really do that. But that was always that's always was an option to bring Parallax back. And now, now of course, after Convergence, unless something in Divergence changes it, we know that he still could possibly be around. So they could he could still show up in in different universes. So that would kind of be cool too. But yeah, I th- I enjoyed it when it came out. It was pretty big, and it would have been nice in a way if they, if. Hal could have stayed around a little bit longer, but it was kind. Of, it kind of was as predictable as you would expect on that level. You know, you hoped, but wasn't okay. what they wasn't what they wanted. You know, they they didn't really want Hal around. So, all right, you got anything else to say before we close it out? No, I think we did. A, I think hopefully we did a pretty good job. Yeah, uh, and before uh, Mark closes this out, uh, guys, uh, don't forget this is. Uh, Part of uh, our celebration of Green Lantern's 75th anniversary uh, across the social medias, and Mark will tell you which social medias uh, in just a few here. Uh, use the hashtag GL75TH, uh, GL75, uh, and uh, I'm sure you'll find various participating uh, individuals in uh, in the, the celebration of uh, Green Lantern's 75th anniversary. Uh, participating in the months, uh, particularly of June and July, uh, we're just opening the window because uh, to, to, to June and July, just because you know, in case other podcasts or, or sites not specifically devoted to Green Lantern want to do some sort of special uh, post or episode or whatever involving Green Lantern, this is a nice kind of narrow window. But honestly, guys, uh, if you're listening to, to this and it's still you know 2015, but you've missed the window uh, on the the June July thing, um, Green Lantern 75th anniversary really is all this year. So uh, definitely uh, uh, welcome to celebrate with us, uh, and uh, definitely, definitely, definitely go find all the other uh, participating uh, individuals uh, on this massive, massive celebration. Uh, we've got some uh, some more stuff lined up uh, that'll be heading your way here shortly. Um, but this is just kind of a taste of things, things to come, uh, you know, getting to storylines that we've really wanted to cover for a while. So, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this, uh, and, uh, Mark, why don't you go ahead and, uh, tell them how they can find us. If you'd like to email us, the email address is lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can please visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can get the latest information on Pretty much anything of relevance these days that's that we, that's breaking in Green Lantern land. As soon as we find out, we'll put it we'll put it there among other places, as I'll mention in a second. You can also find our, you know, our Ring Encyclopedia episodes, which we just posted a new one 
Jim just did did one, got back on the horse and did one, and I'll have one that should be coming out at the end of the week. There should be a second one. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to pretty much find us on all of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on, on both or either one, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think and what you would like to hear in future episodes. All right, guys. Uh, GL75 is a big thing, so we don't necessarily want to tell you what's coming next, but it'll be cool. So uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody.